Welcome in to Chasing Interesting. My name is Craig Hoffman. Hello, hello. This is Joe Girard. It is another week of Chasing Interesting. And great news, Craig. The timing couldn't have been perfect. The California ballots have been mailed, and we have them. You have the ballots. We have the ballots. We have the ballots. I have a ballot here in Virginia as well. Uh, I have filled out my ballot. Uh, I know this will shock everybody, but after much consideration on the top line, I decided to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Seemed like wow. a better better uh, than the alternative because we've seen the alternative for four years. And I'm going to give you some analysis, Joe. Sit back. Buckle up. Ready? All right. It's been terrible. <laughs> well, I knew you were on the fence for a long time. So this is this is news, I think, not just to me, but to the world of where you were swaying. We don't like it. We're going to. We're going to try something different. But yeah, I, uh, I have not mailed in my ballot yet uh, because in the state of Virginia, it requires a witness's signature. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? So uh, we, we are waiting on another human being to be around to sign their name on the ballot. I think we're going to be able to accomplish that this weekend. Then we'll put the ballot in the mail and our vote will be in. And then I will track my ballot to make sure it is received and because I'm voting early enough, if there is a problem, the state of Virginia should contact me and be like, hey, buddy, we have a problem. And then mm. I would fix it and it would be good. So make sure you know the rules in your state. Do you need a witness? Do you need, not need one? And then get your ballot in early so that you can track it, make sure it's in and make sure it's counted. I like that. Joe, do you know the rules in the state of California? Yeah, I think 90% of them. I like the tracking idea, too. I never, uh, I, I'm sure, I mean, everyone can track their own ballot, so that's, I'm going to make sure that is done from my side, that you can actually see where it goes, who's getting it, it's tracked, it's counted. I'm still not sure if these will actually be counted prior to the election, or they'll start counting, you know, after the election. No, no, I, I don't think there's a clear answer on that, so. Uh, but we have them. They're in our hands. We are doing our specific duty, Craig, in voting. Indeed. In the 2020 election. Serious uh, and important voter registration deadlines in a lot of states uh, are, some of them already passed. Uh, if you didn't register to vote, we were telling you to do that a long time ago. Why didn't you listen? And, but in a lot of states, you still can, some all the way up until election day. And then you can also request mail-in ballots. Most of those have to be postmarked on or before election day. There's a couple of lawsuits happening right now, multiple states, about whether or not your ballot gets counted if it comes in three or five or seven days after election day, even if it is postmarked before. So get your freaking ballot in early and leave no doubt. Take out the guesswork, take out the risk. And uh, from what I looked at in California, Joe, it does not look like you need a witness in the state of California. So California, beautiful, generally on top of shit. Beautiful. Hey, let's get to it, huh? Yeah, I got a lot to say today. So uh, let's chase some interesting, important and interesting, if you will. So last night, vice presidential debate, we have not done a pod since President Trump uh, tested positive for coronavirus, went on a field trip to Walter Reed Hospital and then decided he was better and is going back to the White House. Whatever. I just have some bigger thoughts on kind of all of this. And the NFL winds up coming in here too, to just the general thought of what is going on with all of this and, and the tie that threads them all together. So before I do that, Joe, before I go on my 
rant one of the show. What did you think of first the Trump COVID story and then the debate last night? The Trump COVID story was very interesting. You know, he dropped on Twitter late Thursday, early Friday morning that he tested along with his wife, First Lady Melania, positive for coronavirus. Who, by the way, he has not talked about once since that. Should tell you something about the men. But let's not pretend like we thought their marriage was great. There is speculation that he actually knew days prior that he was tested positive as early as Wednesday. And he was at a fundraiser potentially with COVID inside his body. And with, by the way, with him knowing, but he still went anyway and wasn't wearing a mask. So that we can't prove that. And they're still trying mm-hmm. to uh, kind of assess that out. So I thought that was interesting. As far as the health concern, I actually think him going to the hospital is a good idea. He's an older man. He is not in the best shape in the world. He is our leader. So I think him actually going to Walter Reed and, and getting looked at and getting the treatment was the was the move. And by the way, I'm sure he was not for it because you know how Trump is. Him going to the hospital mm-hmm. or him thinking that he's weak isn't good for his brand. I thought it was kind of funny of, you know, he was, but he was working, Craig, the entire weekend at Walter Reed. Yep, signing his name on blank pieces of paper. You saw those photos. So he was signing, yep. signing things. And did you see what, the, what happened with the metadata? No, I missed Like they put him out to make it look like he was working at all hours of the day. The pictures were taken 10 minutes apart. <laughs> Beautiful. They're the dumbest criminals. So he was, you know, working hard this week. So he leaves the hospital Monday, right? Gets back to the White House does his little, uh, walks up the stairs, does his little thing, takes some photos, does a video for his Twitter. His little strongman photo op, yep. Goes back into the White House without a mask. I assume he's not walking around that White House with a mask, so all the people who work actually day-to-day there are exposed to it, so that's not a good look. <laughs> so, you know, he's back on Twitter, you know, sounding off. He, he, did, he That really never stopped, actually. And it's fun because Trump on drugs is the same as Trump off drugs. It's just a crazy person. Yeah. With the nuclear coats. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that one stung a little bit, huh, Joe? As far as last night, the vice presidential debate, you know, I, I thought uh, Vice President Pence and Kamala, uh, it was much more tame, I would say. Compared to the original. It was polite. It was polite. There was decorum. Um, kind of. They touched on issues, including Trump's administration's coronavirus response. They talked economic recession. Not a great moment for Mike Pence, head of the coronavirus task force. Hey, Mike, actually, I had a great tweet that I had pulled up that I wanted to read that fits in well here from Nathan Rubin. Mike Pence really was like, thanks, Susan. You're right. I'm the head of the COVID task force. My boss tested positive. He gave it to my colleagues, my staff, and everyone around me. And I'm sitting behind a layer of plexiglass. But I couldn't be prouder of the job we've done. Mm. They also discussed economic recession. They talked about the climate change. They talked China. There was also a fly buzzing around that a lot of people were making jokes about on the internet. Fly stick to shit. So, I, as far as a clear winner last night, I mean, I don't really know. I can't have it. I'm not sure I can give that answer. Yeah, I don't think last night mattered. And typically, vice presidential debates don't matter. There was some thought that maybe this one would matter a little bit more because both candidates are older. And it's like, oh, one of these people could be president if the president actually drops dead, which almost happened last week. Uh, but, you know, Pence was Pence and Kamala was Kamala. And that's good for Kamala and bad for Pence. Right. Meanwhile, Trump and his close-knit staff of 12 have tested positive. And that number seems to keep growing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Several top Pentagon officials are in quarantine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a bit, and there's, I don't know, this is some sort of secret, or they seem to be secretive about this entire thing, in which I'm not under sure why that's happening. So that actually landed very well as to where I want to start. Last night proved that Mike Pence is an extremely stupid person, posing as a smart person because he's calm and collected and can at least fake decorum. He just kept on talking over the moderator, which, by the way, as a man, nobody wanted to see him do that. And two, after last week's debacle when everyone was on edge. Now, the moderator last night was god-awful. She did not do a good job. I don't think her questions were very insightful. They were, I mean, they were very fact-based, and she had them, like she'd done her research, but she's not good at asking questions. And she was also, thank you, uh, thank you, your time is, thank you. Like, go, hey, you, stop talking. You agree to the rules of this debate. I'm charged. When I say you're done, you're done. Shut up. That's what they needed yeah. to do last night. Um, but Pence kept talking over. But more importantly than that, Joe, Mike Pence last night gave up a ton of red meat to the Fox News base and did nothing to entice anybody who might have been thinking about you know, being on the fence and, and is an undecided voter. And again, we've gone over, especially last week, just like the, I don't understand how you're still an undecided voter at this point, but Mike Pence made no appeals last night to undecided voters. He just, half of the stuff he said did not make sense. No one knew what they were talking about outside of the Fox News audience who watches and ingests the conspiracy theories nightly. So unless you're in the right-wing media circle or you pay enough attention to politics that you're aware of what's going on in that little media bubble of insanity, like half of what he said last night, you're like, what, is he, what are you even talking about? And he continued to say incredibly politically suicidal things like Obamacare was terrible and we're going we're gonna to get it away from the American people. No, Mike, the Affordable Care Act, which now everyone realizes Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are the same thing, polls at like 65, 70%. That's not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of fact that they support unpopular policies. And Mike Pence continually last night, you know, fracking, uh, the Green New Deal. Like, yes, in West Virginia, these things are unpopular to want to ban fracking and the Green New Deal. You know where they're popular? Everywhere else where people want a clean, or clean energy and a clean environment and a better future in terms of climate change, where people want to ban things that are causing harm in their communities and causing issues with their water systems and things like that. So he just kept repeating the same thing. And to land this plane, the point that I wanted to make that I think is really important and has me fed up to fucking hear today, this is what happens when you are more invested in your own narrative than reality. This is what happens when you say COVID's a hoax and you care more about being right that COVID is a hoax than your own health and those the health of anyone around you, from Secret Service agents to White House housekeepers to your wife to whoever. All the people that Trump got sick are sick because he cares more about COVID not being that serious then he does the reality of his own health. Not, not just everyone around him, his own. He wanted to be like, don't fear COVID. We won't let it scare us. We're winning. He cares more about that being true and saying that out loud than not dying from COVID and not killing other people from COVID. They care more about the Affordable Care Act being evil than actually helping people get affordable health care. 
They are so invested in their bullshit narrative that they are abstracted from reality and don't care what is going on in the real world. But here's the problem with that on top of the fact that that actively hurts people every single day in this country. That's our problem. Their problem and why this is so incredibly stupid and why if I was Kamala Harris last night, I would have just gone, you really are a dumb human, aren't you? (laughs) Is that reality always wins. We fucking live here. We have, as Joe Biden said, empty seats at our dinner tables from people that have died due to COVID. We see the wildfires and the hurricanes that climate change is causing. We can look at our paychecks and realize whose tax plans are better for us and watch the news and see that the richest people in this country are getting richer at an insane rate under this administration while the rest of us are figuring out can we pay our bills this month and is our job going to be there next month? Reality always wins. And we have gotten to a point where we are far enough down the rabbit hole of reality where there is so much real shit happening that continuing to spew the narrative that Republicans have been giving forever is an impalatable and unconscionably stupid political decision, nevertheless, one that impacts people's lives in a negative way. I kind of wish they dug deeper into climate change last night. They really didn't. They, they, they went off on a few things, but there was no meat, I feel. Um, meanwhile, California uh, is set to reach 4 million acres burned during the wildfires this year, which is just unheard of. And that's the problem, right? Is that we, as a media or the media, I hate doing that because the media always sounds crazy, but like in general, the political media sphere focuses on the politics, not the people. And that's why if I was moderating the debate or what I would want out of a debate moderator is when they start going to off their political point scoring points and trying to do the politics thing and any analysis that is around the politics and the horse race, I don't want that. And focusing on that is a disservice to the American people. It's a disservice to us, that uh, citizens who are trying to decide what to do to be informed about our own lives in a greater context. Focus on the people, not the politics. That's, that is the point. Well, even Joe Biden says, let's end the politics. Let's follow the science. By the way, Biden, I think he said this morning, if Trump is still positive for COVID by next week, they should postpone or even canceled the debate next week. So this actually just came in. Biden has said he is out of the debate on the 15th because a virtual town hall format was offered in lieu of President Trump being COVID positive. And the Trump campaign said no. And so Biden's like, fine, I'll go talk to voters. Maybe I'll do my own town hall, which he has done a couple times in recent weeks. And we hope that the uh, debate, the third debate on the 22nd, is going to be a town hall style now instead of the traditional debate because every president forever has done this style and it would be a shame if we did not get this in front of television cameras for the American people. And he's right. This should be, but it should be virtual or if it's going to be in person, it's got to be with enough time that Trump's not going to infect people, which by the way, brings us to... Hit the f- 
I mean, we're having to take meetings over Zoom. Uh, it's not something I think most of us enjoy, but it's a safety measure. And I sure. think part of why the U.S. is falling behind, uh, is badly behind the rest of the developed world on dealing with the pandemic is because every time there's been a choice between doing something in a way that's more safe or less safe, right. this president seems to push for less safe. I think it's also probably a reflection of the weakness of his campaign. Uh, you know, when, when uh, you see campaigns getting the kind of bad news that uh, he's been getting through, through this month, uh, a lot of times you'll see these kinds of uh, increased arguments over rules, uh, withdrawing from from opportunities, uh, a little bit of flailing there. And, and it's too bad because I think, yeah. you know, the, the more uh, the American people can hear two candidates side by side, uh, even if it's virtual, sure. the better. Of course, the only reason we're here in the first place is that the president of the United States is still contagious, as far as we know, right. uh, with a deadly di- a deadly disease, which, which reflects the uh, right. the overall problem, and and uh, you know I don't know why you would want to be in a room with other people if you were contagious with a deadly disease and you care about other sure. people. But maybe the president doesn't care about other people. Maybe, I mean, maybe he doesn't care about other people. I think it's clear he doesn't care about his own wife. Never mind people, man. Pete, I like Pete, dude. Gotta love Pete. Pete's strong. Mayor Pete. Went in. And my favorite part about that, and that is courtesy of Fox News, which is about the only time you'll ever hear Fox News on this podcast. Um, (laughs) One, so that's actually an important point, is this is on Fox News. This is on the people who love President Trump. They're all watching this. And Pete was so slick. Pete's brilliantly smart. Remember, this man speaks seven languages. He's the Rhodes Scholar. Like, this dude... He's, he's up here intelligence-wise. The rest of us are living on a different level. And so just super slick, just kind of weaves his way into it. And then he just keeps chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then that hammer at the end, like, or maybe he just doesn't care about regular people, other people, anybody else. Like, that is such a baller move from Pete. And that's kind of the, the tie-in to what I was talking about earlier, where I wanted to bring this all together, Joe, is... We are dealing with an administration that does not care about people. Not just black people, brown people, people who don't, you know, white people like us who don't like them. Like, it's pretty obvious that they don't care about us. They don't care about their own people. And what is amazing is they don't even care about themselves. They held a super spreader event at the White House. The president made Secret Service agents get in a car with him for a joyride. He's, Mm. by going back to the White House, instead of saying isolated at Walter Reed like a responsible adult, is going back to the White House and putting other people at risk from the housekeepers to his own chief of staff to whoever. Like, all these people are put at risk. There's literally no one. And, by the way, he's so stupid that he doesn't even care about himself. The correct thing for him to do probably right now would be to invoke the 25th Amendment, let Pence run the day-to-day for a week, and chill out. And just be like, look, this is what's best for the country. I'm going to be on some steroids. I'm going to be on some drugs. Like, I might not be in 100% sound mind. Um, This is what's best for the country. This is how I prove to you that I'm a leader. I don't have to do it. We can do it. We are so obsessed as a media and as a political culture with the politics like I said earlier, that we don't care about the people. And the, this next level of that is these politicians become like superheroes. And these politicians, everything is about the politicians and their ability, who gets credit, who gets blame. And if we instead more accurately reflected how things get done, 
we would have a better national understanding of politics as voters and we'd make better decisions. So I was talking to my, I will say it was my father. I was going to say, I was talking to someone the other day. I was talking to my father about the Senate race in South Carolina. And he's someone who had, well, is, I would say, slightly left of center, probably politically leaning, has voted for Lindsey Graham in the past because Lindsey Graham in the past has done a good job of sounding like a competent person. And he said some things that sound nice. And my dad was like, I can't vote for him. And my final decision was about the Supreme Court situation. I just can't take the hypocrisy on it. While I'm glad that he's voting for Jamie Harrison, as anyone in South Carolina should, it amazes me that it took that long. My dad's not an unintelligent person. My dad is an extremely intelligent person. And he's one that watches all the Sunday shows. He's one that generally is informed and one that watches politics. What, in my eyes, he, like so many others, so this is not really, um, this is not an indictment. And I've told him this to, to, well, I guess not his face, but told him this over the phone. So I'm not speaking out of turn here. I'm just trying to share for information in, in different framing is if it took that long, you're paying too much attention to the candidates and not what they're doing, not how they operate, and not how the actual political wheels turn. What Jamie Harrison is, as a Democrat, is a reliable vote for quality affordable health care, whether it is in the form of the Affordable Care Act or Medicare for All or whatever the Biden administration puts forward if he is elected. He's a reliable vote for pro-choice legislation. He's a reliable vote for climate change legislation, for taxes that are reformed in a way that are beneficial for most of us and not just for billionaires. And to get too caught up on someone's personal story, to get too caught up on what even what legislation they say they are going to propose. That's just not how the Senate works. It's not how the House works. There's going to be a bill that is generally collectively put forth. It's going to go through committee. And then the majority leader, either in the Senate or the House, or in the minority leader in the Senate or the House, are going to tell their party, we should vote for this or not. And there's going to be a couple people that cross party lines and that's important to understand where they stand and so you know if you're trying to make a decision and and somewhere where a candidate that you have the potential to vote for has a differing opinion than the party line that's something you need to consider but generally the question you need to be asking is who's going to vote the way i want them to vote more often and that is why even though i think we were taught as kids like evaluate be independent don't just be a party like whatever uh you know don't just be a partisan unfortunately the way our system has devolved it's pretty clear that both sides are polar opposite on most issues and the way they align is pretty similar all, all the way up the and down the issues so if you believe that climate change is real you probably also are pro-choice. You probably also want people to have voting rights. You probably also want quality, affordable health care. Perhaps that's subsidized by the government um, and likely is subsidized by the government because government health care works better um, in most countries in the world. And so you vote Democrat. And the parsing of candidates is just a gigantic waste of money 
And to bring it full circle, it's because we have focused so much on the politics and the personalities as opposed to the people. And that's why I think what Pete said was so effective is it brought all that bullshit back around to how it affects people. Yeah. Well, did you notice once Trump tested positive how the Republicans kind of changed their ways? Suddenly, it's the coronavirus and not the China virus, for one. Suddenly, we're all in this together. Suddenly, the Republican Party is calling for people to show empathy. That's a first. Suddenly, it's clear none of them cared until it, it affected them. So that was interesting to me to see the Republicans like, oh, well, show some empathy because there was some, a lot of vile things said over the weekend about Trump and him being sick. And it lasted it, three days. And now they're back to their yeah, narrative. Yeah. Now they're yeah. back to the, oh, it's not a big deal. We got to vote anyway. The most important thing is, is getting Amy Coney Barrett. Whatever. It's like, no, like out of empathy. How about you guys chill out and take care of yourselves? How about we not have COVID-19 run rampant through the Senate and the House governing bodies with a bunch of fucking 80-year-olds wandering around. Do you think if the situation had been reversed, meaning if if Biden got sick, got COVID, do you think that Donald Trump would have said Biden should drop out of the race by now? Like 100%. He, I feel like, yeah, I, I agree with that too. I had seen that on Twitter. I I, I think he would. Yeah, it's, uh, it's inappropriate. He, he, he needs to drop out. And you know what? He would have said that if Trump gave Biden COVID. Which damn near happened. You know, by the way, Trump says he doesn't believe in socialism, right? So over the weekend, he got about tens of thousands of dollars worth of public health care, which he only paid $750 for in taxes. Hypocrisy. It's a feature, not a bug. Hi! Welcome to my lawn. Our lighthearted segment where we complain about stuff as opposed to the heavy segment where we complain about stuff. Joseph. So a family in Virginia. Hey, I live there. Gotta love these people. They're praised because over the weekend, this family turned in two large mailbags they found in the middle of the road filled with nearly $1 million in cash. $1 million. Literally driving down the road, these guys find a couple bags of cash, almost ran over them, took them home, and decided, whoa, there's, there's, there's a lot of money in here. We should report this. These bags were wrapped in plastic. They're like two bags for each like clump of, of, of money here. Mm-hmm. And instead of hanging on to it, the family turned the bags into the local sheriff's department in Virginia. Now, authorities, they said they don't know where the cash ended up or how it got there, but they believe it was heading to a bank. I have questions. How does a million dollars go missing? I mean, did it fall out of a truck? Right. But like, what? how is a million dollars being transported in a trunk that isn't more secure than that? That it could fall out in the middle of the road? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, a bag of money? Like, is it, like do they know what it was? Because the way you read it, it made it sound like they picked up these bags like, oh, crap, we got to get this trash out of the road. We're being good Samaritans. Then they got home and they're like... Oh, that's what's in the bag. Like, what did they think they were picking up? Trash. It was just these random bags in the middle of the road. They were just being good people, picked up these bags. They went to their house, for some reason looked in these bags. Could you imagine if they just threw them out? Like, ah, let's not check. And just, they just chuck them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm, that's actually a little bit fishy. If you think it was garbage, then why didn't they just throw them out? Why did they look? Why are you looking in a trash bag? I don't know. Maybe it was suspicious. It could have, you know, the weight of it. Who knows? But the fact that they turned the whole thing over. Oh, I mean, that part get- I don't have a question about. Dog, if I found a million dollars, like, I would be terrified. I'd be like, this is drug money. There's going to be a cartel person who's going to come for my ass. I'm going to give this back to the cops. <laughs> and if it's someone, if it's not anyone else's money, the cops can give it back to me. But I am not messing around with someone yeah. else's million dollars. I do not want them. That's, I had a lot of questions. That was not one of them. <laughs> and now... Sports. Joe, the NFL has continued to have some COVID issues, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and honestly, it actually ties in to the big, long rants that I went on to start the show. I got to stop calling them rants. They're calm and composed. They're not really rants. They're diatribes. Mm, good word. Diatribe. Good word. You know, with the NFL, they're so hell-bent, and, and I do want to make, I guess, this point, too, that at least with the NFL the narrative piece, I don't really think that they're chasing a narrative. I think that they're just chasing money. But it still prioritizes money over safety because I think what's becoming clear is that we got this really right in the preseason. What did I keep saying? It's not going to be the travel that gets people. It's going to be what happens at home. And from the outbreaks on the Titans to the timeline of when Cam tested positive, to Stephon Gilmore in New England as well, and some of the other positive tests around the league. It's not that we've had two teams come together yet and a positive seemingly be transferred to another team. It's the problems at home and not doing this in a bubble that have become really challenging for the NFL. And I think they might, if this keeps growing, like they're going to have some serious decisions to make of how they safely... Can or I guess it's not really how they do it. It's to start with, can they safely proceed and continue on with the season? Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask you, do you think it's actually going to get going to get worse? And I mean, how could it not? Right. So players from the Titans, players from the Patriots, some personnel are testing positive. They're not playing in a bubble. They are kind of moving around, doing their traveling, and that's not really the worst part. And you talked about this in a previous podcast. It's really not that part. It's when they're home. And with their families doing their regular lives is that you don't know who's around them and what what they could possibly catch. And, you know, I mean, these guys are athletes. So, you know, that's 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 truth. So they might not be getting as sick as people who aren't as in good shape or older, but they're still getting it. And who knows about the long term effects? And that's what another thing is that no one really knows of that still. Yeah, and I think with the bubbles that happened successfully starting with ours in the NWSL, what's happened in the NBA, the WNBA, and other places that have bubbled up, it gave everybody a bit of a false sense of security that this was all pretty easy to do, but it really was a testament to the efficacy of bubbles that you are not just keeping everybody safe in, it's that you're keeping everybody else out. Because that's the thing. Once you get into that bubble safely, COVID can't get in. A disease can't spread if it's not there in the first place and it has nowhere to go. So if it can't get in the bubble, you're pretty safe. Like if you had a true bubble, which no league is able to do because you have, unless you were to have like all the arena staff and literally everyone, like if you were to put a dome over a city, then yeah, you could have a bubble. 
and you could walk around with no masks and no safety precautions. It would literally be like old times within that bubble. But the ability to keep the, the disease out is, I think, what got underrated about the bubble. It's not just keeping everybody safe in it. It's what you're keeping out. And so for the NFL, since they're not in a bubble and the ability of family members or whoever to come in and then it gets inside this NFL world and can be passed from teammate to teammate or if the timing gets screwed up like we saw with the Trump super spreader event for the Amy Coney Barrett nomination. Not everyone at that event was tested, but a lot of people were. And it just wasn't at a point where they they had so much uh, virus in them that they were testing positive, even though they were able to, or they were contagious. So they spread it, despite being still asymptomatic and testing negative. And so you could have that situation in a game on a Sunday, and let's say offense and defensive lines, right? If an offensive lineman has it and doesn't know it and tests negative and plays, the guy he goes against on a defensive line where they're smashing heads and spittle every snap for 100 plays or 60 plays, there's a good chance that, that could the virus could be transferred that way. So it's just really hard, you know, and then you get team to team and then all of a sudden you got a real problem because you, you passed it into another fairly tight circle of people. So I, I think that was the thing that got kind of underrated by the bubbles is the ability to keep the virus out in the first place versus keeping everybody, all, all the attention was on the inside and how everybody conducted themselves while they were already insulated. Yeah, yeah, excellent point. Speaking of the NBA, finals are happening. Lakers is still up in this series. Miami played a, a pretty decent game last game. I think the Lakers have this. I think I think they're gonna they're gonna take it. They're just so dominant. I mean, LeBron and AD are just taking these guys. It's fun to watch. I think it's uh, been a, a very exciting series. Um, so I'm curious to hear what what your take has been so far and who you, who you think is gonna come out the victor. LeBron James is still the best player on the planet, and. NBA history shows us that if you have the best player on the planet, you have a really good chance to win the title. And it's pretty simple math. Like unlike football where you have 11 dudes on the field at a time and those 11 are different than the 11 who play another half of the game for your team, you know, your offense, your defense, there's only five guys on the floor per team. And so the ability for one player to have an outsized impact on the game is tremendous. And so when you've got not just the best player on the planet, but the two best players in the series, with all due respect to Jimmy Butler, who's been fantastic. Yeah. Even though the Heat have probably players three through eight, the Lakers have the best two, and that's enough because there's just no answer. I'll, I'll use soccer terminology here. I love when coach, soccer coaches use this. You know, They'll say, we asked questions of the defense. I love that phrasing, right? So the questions that LeBron and AD ask of Miami... Miami has not been able to answer and I don't think will be able to answer because LeBron and AD are so overwhelmingly talented that the questions they are asking are that difficult. They are almost unanswerable questions. At least, and let's let's be also be real about this, winning four times in seven games is hard. So yeah. to, to do, even if you answer them once and on the same night you get a superhuman performance by Jimmy Butler which his game three is an all-time game, all-time NBA Finals game. 40-point triple-double, unbelievable. Kudos to Jimmy, and he deserves immense amounts of credit. And this Miami team is legitimately very, very good. Worthy of being in the finals, even. Mm -hmm. But 
to answer the question of LeBron plus AD four times in seven games, like, I just don't think it's possible. Not for this Miami team. All right, let's run through quickly our NFL quick hit segment. Joseph, we have our most impressive and least impressive teams from last week and then the games we are most looking forward to and our surest bet for this week. All right, let's start off. Let's start off on a downer. Uh, how about the least impressive team from last week? Uh, at least for me, it, it, it was the Chiefs-Patriots. I mean, the game got originally postponed because Cam Newton uh, tested positive for Corona, and so did the backup quarterback uh, for Kansas City. Um, Chiefs won the game 26-10. It was a flat game all around. I think the energy was just low, and this Corona kind of energy was hovering over the, the game the entire time. Um, it was kind of even tough to watch in, in some parts, so that was kind of most disappointing for me. Yeah, I think you also just honorable mention the Texans uh, who lose 31-23 to the Vikings and then fire Bill O'Brien. So I would like to recap what the Texans did with Bill O'Brien. They hired him, fired all the management people around him, gave him all the power, let him trade away immense amounts of talent and assets, and then fired him. Good ownership, Texans. Great job, guys. <laughs> that makes no sense. All right, most impressive team from last week. Most impressive, I had the Saints uh, coming off the week prior, mm. losing to Green Bay. Uh, they picked up the victory last week, 35-29 over the Lions. and I thought they played uh, very well in that game. How about the Brownies putting up 49? Look, the Cowboys are not great defensively, and Baker Mayfield uh, only put up 165 yards passing, but they put up 49 points. Just rushed it down the throats of the uh, Cowboys. You got 95 yards for Duke Johnson, 71 for Kareem Hutt. Nick Chubb had another 43. Odell Beckham got a couple of carries and took one for 50. Uh, Beckham scores four touchdowns, I believe, on the day. Three receiving. Or sorry, he had three touchdowns on the day. Two receiving and one rushing. Uh, banner day for Odell Beckham. The Browns putting up 49. Get the most impressive from me. All right, game you are most looking forward to this week, Yosef. This weekend, I got uh, the Eagles and Steelers, two hard-nosed teams. They're playing in Pittsburgh. Uh, this game could literally go either way for me. Uh, very excited to see that game on Sunday. I'm going to go Chargers-Saints on Monday night. Uh, I got a text from... I, I basically didn't watch a ton of football over this past weekend. was able to catch up. Uh, we're intelligent, informed people here on the show. But wasn't watching a ton live. But I got a text from my boy Yates, Clinton Yates, uh, saying, Justin Herbert's the truth. And so I want to see Herbert on a big stage for the Chargers as he's taken over the starting job with Terod Taylor uh, being injured by his own team physician a couple of weeks ago. So I'm looking forward to that game on Monday night. Surest bet. Who are you betting on? Where's your money going? Uh, and even though, I mean, they're falling apart behind the scenes, you got the Jaguars-Texans this week. I got the Texans beating, uh, beating the Jaguars. There's no way they can lose this game. They're at home. They're in Texas. Uh, it's the Jaguars. They're playing. I mean, come on. Like, they're... Texans are a strong team, especially on the defensive side. They cannot lose this game, so we shall see uh, Texans-Jaguars this weekend. Big line six there uh, for the Texans' favorite at home, so a lot of people are with you on that one. I am going to go with the Panthers and the Falcons. Actually, I'm going to run away from that. I'm not going to be a sucker. 
I thought I was going to go with it, but Atlanta, who's 0-4, is hosting Carolina, who's 2-2, and and Atlanta's a two-point favorite. In Vegas, they call that a stinky fish. And you know what you do from stinky fish? You run away from them. So even though with all of my mind, I think Carolina's going to win that game outright, nevertheless cover, I'm running away from that as a pick that I'm giving out because it stinks the high heavens. Uh, Instead, I will go with the Colts and Browns. The Browns love inconsistency. They are at home. They are coming off of a high. We just said they're so impressive. The Colts are really good, and I think they're probably going to blow them out, and the Browns are going to look dysfunctional because they're the Browns, and they do that every couple of weeks, so they're due. The Brownies! Look good, feel good, do good. I got the look goods this week, Joseph. I have done some television watching. Uh, I watched two documentaries on Friday night, and I had to watch the second one after watching the first one because the first one scared the piss out of me. Uh, So I watched a documentary called All In. It's featuring and executively produced by Stacey Abrams, who ran for governor in Georgia in 2018. Uh, There's a lot of focus on her race and the absolute chicanery that the Republican Party pulled off in that by Brian Kemp, who is now the governor of Georgia, by the nature of him cheating to win the election, was the secretary of state at the time. So in essence, he was one of the teams competing in a game and was also the referee. So, mm, I wonder how that went awry. But it, it generally focuses on the voter suppression tactics that mainly Republicans have used for years, and it scared me to death because this is how we lose in November is votes are suppressed, votes are not counted, people are encouraged not to vote, people are screwed out of voting, votes that are cast are set aside, um, in sinister and intentional ways. So it's worth watching because education is good, but you will not feel good after, which is why after I watched Becoming, which is the documentary about Michelle Obama, her childhood and growing up and growing into the first lady that is shot through the lens of her going on tour with her book of the same name, that will fill up your cup. You will feel great about America and the world and feel that you want to be Michelle Obama's best friend because she just seems like a genuinely wonderful human. Great choices, Craigie. Thanks, pal. And now this week's Feel Good, we're telling people to mix it up. So when you're doing your workouts and you're looking for new stuff to do, it's always fun to kind of just do different things, mix up your body, um, never kind of do the same stuff over and over again. Craig, our boy here, started boxing again. And he's actually getting into a ring and beating the. I'm piss not out getting of into a ring. Oh, I thought, oh, I'm I not. You were. Oh, no, okay. I'm in a boxing class. Let's relax. I'm not actually fighting people. I only fight you, and that's via Zoom while you're in California. <laughs> so, by the way, that's great cardio. I've done these kind of workouts before. You really put gloves on and you're like for three minutes sparring or doing jump ropes or hitting the bag or that kind of thing. So. Great cardio there. Great to kind of mix it up. I'm back on my bike rides. Now the weather is starting to get a little cooler here in California. The 112-degree sunny days are starting to subside. So uh, getting on a bike again is is, is nice, and there's tons of trails around me. So um, it's just great cardio, and it's kind of, I just love getting on a bike. I put music on, and you just kind of go. So I always think that's enjoyable for me. And Actually, and Craig bought a bike recently, so he can attest. Yeah, no, I've been on the bike. We've talked about the bike. Uh, it, it is a great way to mix up the cardio and, and just, I mean, for me, it's general movement, right? We we have not 
been able to move as much in life due to COVID and being in our houses and working from home. You're not walking around the office. You're not even walking to your car half the time. So for me as a way, when I go train at the gym or I go work out at the gym, that's two and a half miles away. Instead of getting in the car, I get on the bike. It gets me a little extra movement. So that's, that's been great. But yeah, I've taken some boot camp classes. Uh, I've taken a uh, Pilates class I've taken. And obviously this depends on where you are and what the lockdown status is and your own personal comfort level and in going into a group fitness setting right now. But the boxing classes, um, my people at Bash, I love them. They are wonderful people. We are doing our second Sweat Talk vote uh, this weekend at Bash. So wonderful, wonderful place uh, that does a great job kicking my ass. <laughs> and so um, I love I-, I love mixing it up every once in a while. And it's effective. Um, we actually talked about this a lot on the Train with the Best podcast, which is also out and available everywhere you get this podcast that you, you know, you you're going to get a higher performance level if you occasionally add some different things to your workout regimen. So um, I've been doing some of this stuff lately and then I PR'd my deadlift last week. So, hey, what do you know? Your boy lifted (laughs) 325. Holla. Look at that. And our do good this week, Craig, I actually was inspired by one of your tweets I saw this week. So it looks like this guy was kind of coming at you. He says, fact, you went from covering the NFL to shilling for women's soccer. And then you responded with, you know, I work with an amazing group of women doing work I love and a job that pays more. I choose that because I was done with working what, what I was doing. Also, you're saying the NFL is somehow more worthy than women's soccer? Says a lot more about you than me. And, sir, that's not great for you. So I thought that was a great retort for you. Um, Thank you. And very true. Like, that was kind of rude that he said that. Yeah, like – Typically, we call that progress. I got a job doing what I want to do that pays more. Uh, but because there's a group of people in society that think anything that involves women is less than a thing that involves men, then, um, you know, we're in the crap hole that we are now. <laughs> so that, that to me is just like more of what needs to happen. That's the kind of energy we need. So I guess if we want to turn this into a do good, I guess it would be to challenge people. Like challenge the status quo. That That's why we'll phrase it. Challenge the status quo. Don't just accept things the way they are. Demand better for ourselves because we're, it's a better world when we push things forward. And so, yes, is the NFL, does it have more prestige than the NWSL? Yeah, it also had a 100-year head start and has so many systemic and structural advantages versus a women's soccer league in America in 2020. But challenge your own thinking on what that means and why someone might want to take on an opportunity with that league or just on a more general sense I saw and this this is incredibly serious so and I will say there's a sexual violence trigger warning in what I'm about to say um and it's important to say to prevent further sexual violence but um if if that could be triggering for you um please fast forward a minute in this podcast so I'll give you a second to do that But I saw this sequence on Instagram of a guy talking about how one of his friends, his male friends, had had very troubling behavior around women, and he never said anything. And this friend wound up sexually assaulting another one of their friends. So whether it's the little things like how we think about different sports to troubling behavior by our friends, challenge the status quo. Do not do not favor comfort in a singular short-term moment over better behavior over the long term. So that's a serious do-good this week, but it's going to take all of us to 
pressure people who are lazy and bad actors in ways big and small to be better people and to show that there's accountability, not just in like a legal sense, but in a societal social sense to create a better world. And so that's all that tweet was, was like, hey, I'm not just going to be like, hey, this is what it is for me. It's like, no, there's a bigger point to be made here about what you're actually saying about the world. And uh, I don't accept your premise. Your premise is rubbish. That's good. That's it. And that's all for the show this week. But Joseph, there will be something else, a gift in this feed before you and I talk again. Ooh, a gift. I like free gifts. I mean, all these podcasts are free, but not all of them are gifts. This one is a gift. We have our second ever for humans, not hashtag sweat talk vote event this weekend here in Washington, DC. It's sold out almost instantly. So whether you are local and can't get in or you couldn't come because you're not from DC, uh, you will have a chance to hear the panel. It is going to be a really cool panel discussion centered around the idea of getting outside of your box. What happens when you speak up in ways that people are not used to hearing someone in your position speak about. So uh, that'll be this weekend. We will put the panel discussion out as a podcast in this feed and people can look forward to that. In the meantime, to make sure you don't miss that episode or any episode, you should subscribe. You should rate us so that we can be easier to find for other people. When people look up good podcasts, there we are. And, uh, you know, for more detail, provide that review. Subscribe, rate, review. We ask you to do it every week. Be nice if you actually did it this week, because frankly, we're tired of asking. (laughs) It would be so nice of you. Uh, And remember, Craig, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. This is Chasing Interesting.